Let me pray, and then uh, we will look into God's word. So God, we, uh, again, I say it often, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, as one of the ancient creeds says, he's the Lord and giver of life. So we pray to you, Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, that you will give life to every single one of our hearts this morning so we can hear what you're saying to us and we can see what you're showing us so we can respond to you and become the kind of people that you want us to be. And that is full of the life and power that come from God, full of the mercy and truth that comes from Jesus and full of his spirit inside of us so we can be a part of your revolution, Jesus, of changing the world with the power of your love. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and hit the lights there, Bill. I'm going to show you a video. So uh, don't start it yet, but there, I teach a class at IU on, in education. And uh, every, I teach about once a semester, but I do something in every, I do the same thing in every class, and instead of trying to replicate it here, I have a video of me doing it for one of my classes one time. Um, and I just call this video, Watch the Candle, all right? So turn on the video, make sure the sound is up pretty high too. So this is me talking to one of my classes. Hey, welcome. This is an online P class. 251 online. This is a different kind of video clip. Different kind of movie clip, and this is me, and I want you to kind of watch the candle here. You've all seen a candle, we've all seen candles, you've all lit candles, you've all blown blue candles out. But I want you to watch this candle right now, and I want you to be ready to think about something in a second here. So watch the candle and be ready to think. Now, what, this is the freeze frame moment. What's going on in your head right now? You are the freeze frame moment. What is happening behind your cognitive curtain? As you just watched this, as you just observed it, and now you're trying to, something's happening, right? <coughs> I want you to figure out, I want you to write down three words. Three words to describe what's happening behind your cognitive curtain. What's happening as you just observed this. And then I want you to write a paragraph to kind of unpack it a little you don't bit have more. To don't do the don't assignment. tell me I'm just what saying. you're thinking. You can turn so the lights back on, Bill. What's going on back here? How are you thinking? What's happening in your brain and your cognitive world as you just witnessed that event? All right? I do this in every class. I do it live, and Almost it's always done. a little bit. Ang I'm always a little anxious because the candle doesn't always light well and things like that. But I'll explain this in a second. You probably, some of you know what's happened because my, my kids know what I do. But the word for the day is going to be this disequilibrium. I think that's, yeah, disequilibrium. So what just happened, you saw, and if you would have seen it live, disequilibrium is when you experience something that you don't have a category for in your filing drawer to put it into. You don't know what to do with it. Your, your head, your mind, your cognitive world is in what's called disequilibrium. Like it just doesn't know where to settle with that. Because nobody eats candles, right? It's also called cognitive dissonance. Because, again, you've experienced something that is totally new and you don't know what to do with it. And so that's a, that's a, it's an educational term, but I think it's, for me, it's been a huge part of my spiritual growth is when I counter disequilibrium, when I experience something with God that's different than what I have before and I don't know where to put it in my file folder. 
All right. This particular situation, I'll just explain it. I, the, you know what the candle was? Unless you already know. What, what was the candle made of? Anybody guess? Raw potato. It's a raw potato. Soak in lemon juice so it doesn't turn brown overnight. And the wick is a uh, almond sliver. It has enough oil to light. So the taste is raw potato with a tad of toasted almond. So, uh, so when I do it in class, the students are like, you're crazy, what's wrong? I, I don't even tell them for a while. They just kind of, but it's because I want them to understand what disequilibrium feels like. It's like, ooh, your mind is kind of spinning around. I don't know what to do with it. And again, it's because you've experienced something that you don't know, you don't have a category for. There's no folder in your drawer to fit that into. I'm guessing a large part of your spiritual growth, I know mine, is when I experience those kind of things with Jesus. Something happens, I understand something, it's like, I don't know what to do with that. Because we all have, whether you think you do or not, we all have a box that defines how we think Jesus is. We have a box. That's our, this is Jesus. And we try to force everything to fit in that box, and then Jesus does something, or we experience something with Jesus that doesn't fit in the box, and it kind of, it blows away the borders, you're kind of in what I would call spiritual disequilibrium. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this now, because Jesus is different than what I thought he was. So today we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of Matthew, where at least in, this, in the immediate setting, it was Peter, James, and John had an experience where it kind of sent them into disequilibrium. They don't know what to do with it. And they had to kind of process. And it's not unlike any time you and I will experience those kind of times where you have to, what do I do with this situation? Because it doesn't fit the box that I've drawn for my spiritual life. And Jesus loves to blow up your boxes. He loves to do that. All right? So the series is called, uh, I've been doing it on Gospel of Matthew. It's called Following Jesus. There's no one like him. And uh, I'm going to highlight this phrase here that was very intentional phrase when I title this is that Matthew is, is really, really set on helping people understand there is nobody like this guy. He is so unique. He starts off with the gospel of Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus, showing how he fit prophecies. And then he talks about how Jesus was uh, consistently going against the Pharisees and how he healed people supernaturally and lame people and blind people. And, and there was everything about him was just different. And so, now, the disciples, let's stop for a second here. This is the disciples over here, This is at least from a TV show. The disciples, so their box of Jesus was, okay, he's the Messiah. They actually got to the point, he's the Messiah. But they thought their box was, okay, this is what the Messiah does. He's going to come and lead a rebellion so we can kick the Roman masters out of Palestine so we can be free again. So that was their box of what Jesus, the, Jesus, the Christ, was supposed to be like. He was supposed to be one who came, very, became a person of power, led a military movement, kicked the Romans out. That's what they had thought. That's what they had, that's kind of even what their theology had taught them. All right? So Jesus blows up this box a couple different times. All right? So first of all, go to the next slide. I'm going to go Matthew. We're going to talk about two different part, two different times where Jesus kind of, well, I'll just say blows up the box, sends him in disequilibrium, all right? Because the question, again, if, if, if there's no one like Jesus, we need to really figure out who is this guy? What do I do with him? What do you do with him, all right? So Matthew 16 and 17, 
uh, both have different accounts of things happening that, that would have sent the disciples into the uh, eating a candle potato kind of mode, all right? First one is this. So this is Matthew 16. This was the first time Jesus talked about him dying and, and being killed. So this is Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. This was like, this didn't fit the box the disciples had drawn for Jesus. He was supposed to be a leader. Matter of fact, some of the disciples said, can I be on your right hand and on your left hand when you finally come to power? They, this was going to be that. So when Jesus said this, it caused a great deal of dissonance and disequilibrium in these guys' minds. And this is the situation where Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Jesus, let, let, this will not happen to you. Because he was so, whenever you have something that blows up your box, sometimes anger is kind of the response because you don't want to do it. You get, you get agitated. Peter was agitated. This is not going to happen to you. And this is where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan. In other words, what you're saying uh, is not true, Peter, because what I'm saying is true. And Peter was, he didn't know what to do with it. So Jesus says this to them. So now the disciples are wrestling with, now who is this guy? We thought he was going to be a military leader, but now he's talking about dying, being arrested. And they're like, we don't, this, they have no category for that. So they're kind of confused by that. I mean, in the same way that sometimes you and I, not sometimes, whenever it happens, we don't have a category for sometimes for struggle in the Christian life or challenge or suffering. I mean, we don't, we, we, we assume, like I've said before, I heard somebody say that when he became a Christian, um, he got all that he wanted in life, which was a, a red pickup truck. He was a fireman and had a beautiful wife and a dog in the back. We assume that's what Christianity is all about. You follow Jesus you get the American dream with Jesus sticker on the bumper, right? But so when things happen in our lives that are challenging or difficult or just unnerving, we either have to ditch the Jesus that we thought he was supposed to be. He was supposed to make life easier for us. That's what the disciples thought. Supposed to make life easier for us. Or we can redo our box and realize that Maybe there's part of following Jesus has a lot to do with dealing with hardship and struggle and suffering and maybe even persecution. All right? So that's, this is one time the disciples had their worlds kind of rocked. All right? The second thing happened just the very next chapter. So the disciples are just kind of all kinds of disarray here. Go to the next verse, or next slide. Uh, go to the next one, sorry. One more. Wait a minute. Sorry. Back it up. Back it up. This is it. Sorry. Um, so he had just told me he's going to die. So they're wrestling from that. This is immediately what happened next. Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. James and John 
brothers, but Peter. Those three were the inner circle of Jesus. And he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, and this is one of those weird moments in Scripture where it's like, okay, either this happened or it didn't happen this way. Either we trust the Bible or we don't trust the Bible. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. So this is a supernatural moment. Jesus' face was transformed to his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. I'll stop here for a second. Some, some will say, well, this is just like a hallucination. But it's three people, Peter, James, and John. Matthew apparently heard this from them. That's why he wrote it down. And uh, Peter, in his letter, in the book of Second Peter, he actually even says, talks about this situation, says, we weren't making this up. We weren't making this up. We saw this happen. So whatever special effects you have in your, the media of your mind, so Jesus was like bright as the sun, his clothes became white like a light. And then to top it off, Moses and Elijah, who had long since not walked the earth, appeared and began talking with Jesus. So just stop for a second and let's look over the shoulders of Peter, James, and John as they're watching this. And they're trying to figure out, who is this guy? I mean, he just told them something that kind of rocked them, that he's going to be killed tortured, and now he's like supernatural. And, and you know, the box is blown again because this was something they thought the Messiah was going to be this military leader. He tells them he's going to be killed. They don't like that. Now he, there's something, he's more than human, and they realize there's something else going on here because Elijah and Moses long since died. So now they're seeing, all three of them are seeing the same thing. And actually, Peter speaks up again. He's like, uh, should, we, should we make shelters for the three of you? Should we make this, you know, because he wanted the moment to last because he knew it was a huge deal. So, and Jesus says, doesn't, tells him, no, don't, we're not going to do that. And then they Moses and Elijah disappear, and then the next passage says this. Go to the next one. And actually, one more. This is what I want. So Peter just spoke up. See, again, whenever we have our paradigm uh, blown up with dissonance, Peter speaks up in anger here. Now he just speaks up in ignorance. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because he's still trying to figure out what do we do with this. And then it says, but even as he spoke, Peter... A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, so this is an audible voice that Peter, James, and John all heard, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Read those last three words with me. Listen to him. So this is not a vision for Moses and Elijah. This is a mission, vision for these three men who are going to be leaders of the church of Jesus. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. 
If you, if you recall, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist way back in Matthew chapter 3, same thing, we heard a voice from heaven that said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This time, God adds to the statement, listen to him. And at this time, when the voice spoke from heaven, said Peter, James, and John all fell on their faces because they were scared to death. So it wasn't just this loud media moment. It was something that was so large that it scared them. So here Peter's anger as Jesus is talking about getting arrested and killed. Now they're scared to death because they're, they're experiencing something they have no category for. This idea that Jesus is going to be their Messiah, but he's also going to be killed, but he's also supernatural. It's like they don't know what to do with that. And, and again, John all, or Matthew all along is trying to help them understand there's nobody like this Jesus guy because he doesn't fit any of the stereotypes. He doesn't fit the Messiah stereotype as a military leader. He's going to be killed, but he's going to be exalted like he is like supernatural. And so, with this, I, the challenge on this is this last line where God says to Peter, James, and John, listen to him. And again, I said before that Matthew is laser-focused on follow this guy. Follow this guy. That's, if Matthew could summarize why he wrote the whole book of Matthew and record it for people to read then and now is because he wants us to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is equivalent to listening to him. You can't follow Jesus if you don't do what he says. So, there's a uniqueness to Jesus that other world religions don't have. You think about Muhammad, think about Buddha, think about Joseph Smith, any other person who's claimed to be a, somebody leading people to, to know God or know the afterlife, no one has these two components of the humility of giving himself over to be killed, but also the glory of a supernatural being. And again, either we believe it's true, what Matthew wrote, or it's not true. Either we trust the Bible or we don't trust it, but we choose to trust the Bible, and Jesus becomes somebody that stands out in history above anybody else in history. He's not just another religious leader showing us another way to God because no one was uh, humiliated like he was in his death, but also then kind of glorified in this kind of, uh, this, it wasn't a vision, it was a reality they saw. And it, then you think about in uh, Philippians where, where Paul says um, that Jesus, because even though he was God, he laid himself down and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it's this sense of, why would I not, why would you not follow this guy? He doesn't leave an option of, well, I'll listen to some of what he says. He, Matthew's kind of saying, this is, the, this is the one. He is the one. So close your eyes, I'm going to pray. So, uh,
I'm just going to repeat what the voice said to Peter, James, and John, and that's when God said about Jesus, Jesus is his beloved son. He brings God great joy. So listen to him. He brings God great joy. So listen to him. Follow him. He will lead you. He will lead me only to joy, only to peace, only to the fullness of life that we all hunger for. He is who he says he is. So, so Jesus, we want to follow you. And we, we look forward to the times when you actually have to uh, blow up our box. We don't really look forward to it, but in a sense we do because we want to follow you, who you really are. We don't want to follow a perception that we have of you. So Jesus, as we, throughout this week, next month, or in the year, even right now, maybe somebody's going through a, a time where they can't quite figure out who you are or what you're doing in their life. So Jesus, I just pray that through any kind of confusion we have about you or anything like this, we would just follow you. We would listen to you. Um, so Jesus, give us ears to hear and help us listen to what you have to say. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we finish every Sunday with, uh, with communion. And uh, Aaron's going to come up and lead us in a song or two. And uh, we take communion every week. Not every church does. There's no right or wrong about this. But we do it because I want, I, I want to remember and I want you to remember that what we do is all about Jesus. So Jesus said the night he was, the night he was betrayed, he told the disciples, this is my body, this is my blood given for you, shed for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. Every time you eat this and drink this, remember me. I always like to give ideas of what to remember. So today, let's just remember simply what God said about Jesus and that is, he brings me great joy, so listen to him. So as we take this into ourselves, this bread and this body into us, uh, let it be an invitation for Jesus to speak to you, and so you can hear him. So let me pray. So Jesus, we're grateful. We're grateful that you gave yourself to us, you gave your body for us. Um, we're grateful that the scripture tells us you opened this whole new and living way. We don't fully understand what that means, but we trust that you, uh, we trust that you are trustworthy. So Jesus, we take this into our bodies today as a way to remember you, but also as a way to listen to you. And I pray this week that even each one of us would have unique experiences of listening to you and hearing you and responding to you. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and we ask this on your name. Amen.